Fair Public Radio, and my name is Kwatu, and uh, this is Networking Basics, episode, I think, 5. In this episode, we're going to cover the Internet Protocol. That's right, the ubiquitous IP. We've heard of IP, of course, from TCP IP, uh, and we discussed it a little bit or hinted around at its existence uh, during our discussions of TCP and UDP. Uh, the Internet Protocol is the layer upon which TCP and UDP both sit. So the Internet Protocol deals abstractly with the fact that networks need and want to interact with one another. You need the Internet Protocol because you've got clusters of networks here, clusters of network, or clusters of computers here, clusters there, and they want to talk to each other. It resides in the network layer, and it provides features for all the upper layer protocols for addressing fragmentation, reassembling security, and so on. Essentially, what it deals with can be boiled down to two things, addressing and fragmenting. The advantage to having an IP layer, or the IP protocol, internet protocol, is that upper layers like TCP and UDP can just hand off the fact that, hey, they need to contact some faraway remote network, and IP gets to deal with the addressing and the fragmenting of the message. Without a protocol like IP, a programmer would have to sit down and write a different version of all the different uh, ways for a message to get from one network to another. So IP is kind of a... uh, and almost a compatibility or abstraction layer, if you will. So recall from when we were talking about routers and switches and things like that, that we said that there were quote-unquote layer 3 devices, like a router, which will route packets based on the header uh, information of a packet. And the header contains the source and the destination addresses, right? Well, the way that IP deals with the addressing issue is that it determines from a routing table what network a packet is destined for by looking at the uh, source and the destination addresses in the header files. And of course, the the address, the, 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 the routing table, is going to contain a software address or a logical address. That is just an arbitrary number assigned to a certain network. It's then going to determine the actual hardware address of that destination. That is the actual location of the server or the computer or the box that you're trying to reach. So it takes the packets from the transport layer in the OSI model and sends the packets to the destination, and then it reassembles them there on the destination on the remote side. There are four important mechanisms at work here. There's the type of service, which is going to indicate the quality of the service desired. Uh, The type of service is just sort of a generalized set of parameters that kind of characterize what kind of data this is. There's the time to live, which is how long you want the data to be hanging around within the you know, the ether uh, before it reaches its destination. Obviously, at, at a certain point, it'll time out, and the packet is destroyed, and you assume that the host is unreachable. There are option fields, which uh, include provisions for things like timestamps and extra security, special routing, whatever. And there's the header checksum, which provides verification that the information uh, used in processing the Internet datagram has been transmitted correctly. Now this isn't, again, this isn't uh, TCP kind of stuff where it's verifying that everything arrived in the in the correct order and the correct, is you know, is uncorrupt and stuff like that. It's just verifying that the information used to process the datagram, datagram itself is correct. 
So keep in mind that IP doesn't is not a reliable protocol. It doesn't it doesn't verify anything about the data that you're sending. It's just verifying the header information that it's using to actually route packets and things like that. There is an error mechanism dedicated to IP, the whole IP process, and this is called the ICMP, which is the Internet Control Message Protocol, which we'll go over some other time. But that is the thing that you'll see when you're pinging or trace routing. You'll you'll sometimes see an ICMP message come back to you. So as with all the other protocols that we've talked about, like TCP and UDP, IP sure enough attaches its own header uh, to the information that it's sending before it goes out to, towards its destination. And this is uh, this is very similar to everything, you know, to, to the TCP and UDP stuff, same kind of stuff. Uh, the first thing that it, the header contains is going to be the version number. That's the version of IP being used. Then the header length, which is the total length of the header. And then there's the priority and type of service. The type of service is 8 is eight bits, and it provides uh, an indication of the kind of the quality of service desired. That's the uh, that's the quality of service thing, where it tells you um, whether it can stand being delayed or, or, or whether it needs to be more reliable than, than fast or whatever. So they have all those bits defined, like bits 0 through 2 are the precedents. Bit 3 is uh, 0 for normal delay, 1 for low delay. Bits, bit, bit 4 is 0 for normal throughput, 1 for high throughput. Bit 5 is 0 for high reliability. I mean, normal reliability, 1 for high reliability. And then bits uh, 6 and 7 are reserved for future use. And then there's an identification field, which is an identifying value assigned by the sender, the sending machine, to aid in the reassembling of all the fragments. And then there are flags. Flags are three bits. Uh, they define whether the fragmentation should occur. So this is important because, well, bit zero is always zero. But then bit one is going to be, if it's set, it's, it means don't fragment. So if you've got bit one set to one, it's telling the computers, don't fragment this information. And then there's flags, which the flags contains the flag contains three bits, and this is defining whether fragmentation should occur and um, how it occurs. So you've got zero, bit zero, that's reserved, it's always zero. And then bit one, you've got either zero for, uh, yes, you may fragment this, or one for don't fragment. And then bit two, you've got zero for, this is the last fragment, and one if there are more fragments to come. So that's obviously important because as you're sending data um, and a computer's receiving it, if it sees that more fragment bit set, then it knows there's more to come and it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to receive the information until it's all, it's all received. There's the fragment offset field, which is 13 bits, and this field indicates where in the datagram the fragment belongs. So this is kind of the, the ordering of things. This is this is going to help with the reassembly of, of the of the of the complete datagram. Then there's the time to live field, which is eight bits, and this indicates the maximum time that the datagram is allowed to remain in the internet uh, cloud. Um, how long is how long are we going to wait for this datagram to get from from the from the source to the destination? And at some point, you're going to want it to just time out and die. And you'll usually you'll 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 get an ICMP message back if that if that occurs. Next field is a protocol field, which is going to tell you what kind of uh, well what kind of protocol IP is going to be using 
to get something done, whatever this datagram is. So if, if it's UDP, this is going to be set to UDP. If it's TCP, ARP, ICMP, whatever, it's, each of those have a little number uh, that it's been assigned, and that number is given there. And then there's the header checksum, which again, this is just checksumming the header. This is just verifying that, for instance, the protocol field came through uncorrupted. So, you know, I see something that says, hey, I'm a UDP, I'm going to be using UDP protocol here. I can checksum that and say, oh, yes, that is true. It is supposed to be UDP and not, you know, ICMP or something like that. Next field is the source IP address. That's the 32-bit IP address of the sender. And then right after that comes the destination IP address, which is the 32-bit IP address of where you're sending the data to. And then there's the big options field. Options field is huge. It's got a lot of different um, things. Like I say, it's got some security, some timestamp options. Uh, it's got some routing options, things like that. And then finally after that is your data. That's where all the data that you're actually sending, that's where it lives. So obviously, we, we've talked about fragments a lot. We've talked about fragments with TCP and UDP and IP now. So obviously your data, is, especially if it's fairly large amounts of data, it's being fragmented. It's being split up, sent somewhere, and then reassembled. It's it's a little bit like, you know, the transporter in Star Trek. It's 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 kind of scary, you know, to think that all your data is getting chopped up like this. It's getting little header files appended or, or uh, prepended to it, and then it's getting sent off through different layers and through different inter uh, through different networks. So how does it? How does IP know how to do this? Well, we've just we've just covered how it addresses, right? It uses a routing table. It figures out where this destination lives, and then it finally figures out the actual box on that destination network where this data needs to go to. That's how it addresses. That's simple enough. Um, simple in the sense that DNS and all that other stuff is simple. And it turns out that fragmenting is, is kind of cool, too. So we've already talked about the, the more fragment flag. Remember that in the header? There's the don't fragment and the more fragment flag. So if there's a more fragment flag, then the computer, then IP knows that there are more fragments to come. And when it finally reaches the last fragment, then it knows that Obviously, there are no more fragments to come, and it can it can reassemble everything safely. Now, if a datagram wasn't fragmented because it wasn't big enough to need fragmentation, then it has zero fragmentation information. That is, more fragment flag is set to zero, and the fragment offset is set to zero. The maximum sized datagram that can be transmitted through a network is called the MTU. That's the maximum transmission unit. And if you do an if config on your system right now, Right as you're listening to this, you will see where the MTU is uh, set. Just do an if config and look at any of your um, any of your active network interfaces, and you will see about on the fourth line where it says up broadcast running multicast, and then it says MTU colon 1500. So that's right there. That's your MTU. That's the default size. Uh, that is uh, adjustable, of course, by you. Um, you can make it smaller or larger. Okay, so what happens is that it, that IP looks at, at data and it says, okay, if the total length of this data is equal to or less than the maximum transmission unit, that is MTU, then this doesn't need to be fragmented. You can pass it on to the next step, and that's that.
if is greater than the NTU, however, then it needs to be fragmented. And the process for that is that it first copies the original internet header. So anything from you know everything that's got that this data has in its in its header is copied. The old internet header length is now set to a new internet header length, right? Because now we've we've got new sizes for everything. The old total length is set to the new total length. The old uh, fragment offset is now set to a new fragment offset because everything's been cut up differently. And the old more fragments flag is now set to the new more fragments flag. That is to say that certainly something that hasn't been fragmented at all is going to show that there are no more fragments. And now we're going to set that to one to show you. Actually, yes, there is another fragment after this one. At that point as well, the number of fragments block is going to be set and you, that'll be calculated, you know, defined by how many fragments we're going to end up with. Uh, and then we're going to attach the first number of fragment blocks, correct the header with the fact that there are more fragments, that there's a new total length. We're going to recompute the checksum, and then we're going to send on this little fragment to the next step in the, in the process. All of that for the first fragment. Okay, now we, we've just done, we've calculated how large the data is, we make a fragment, we process it and we send it off. And then it's going to have to do all that again for the second fragment and the third fragment. And however many fragments it needs in order to fit it into that MTU limit, that's what it's going to do over and over again. The only exception there would be the final fragment, the last fragment. And that, is, of course, is going to know to set the more fragment flag back to zero and the, uh, the fragment offset flag to zero so that now we have no fragmentation data in the last fragment, so that the receiving end knows, okay, I've just received the final fragment. And that's how IP manages to fragment all your data into lots of little datagrams uh, and send them across the world and have them be reassembled on the other end. Once again, this is just doing addressing and fragmentation. It doesn't, it's not establishing a virtual circuit. It's not doing any of that kind of thing. That's up to TCP or UDP or whatever protocol you end up using. All IP is concerned with is the address of the of the destination and the source, how to get it there the fastest, especially since there's this time-to-live kind of deadline where if it can't get the data from you to your destination within the time allowable, within that time-to-live field, uh, then the data is going to die and the host is going to be declared unreachable or that there was a package timeout or whatever. And again, all that kind of information, all the feedback that you're getting after after those kinds of errors occur, uh, occurs in ICMP, the Internet Control Message Protocol. And that is exactly what we will cover in the next Networking Basics episode. Uh, we'll do ICMP and, and probably ARP or, or SMNP or just other random little protocols like that that are helping all this Internet magic work. Uh, that's about all I've got on IP, so I hope that helps. RFC 791 is what you're going to want is what you're going to want to refer to if you want more information on this. Um, it's an exhaustive document, and I don't mean exhausting, but exhaustive. It, it has a ton of information in it. It's a real pleasure to read. So that's RFC 791. Uh, you can search that on the internet. It'll come up probably an IEF or whatever that address is, uh, site, no problem, find it, read it, it's really good. 
you can also refer to IANA.org slash assignments slash protocol dash numbers to get more information on the protocol numbers of things like TCP and UDP and ARP and all those other different uh, protocols that are mentioned in the uh, IP headers. Uh, and heck, you can refer to IANA.org for a lot more than that, too. That's a good site to check out for, for some fun. So um, and we'll, we'll come back to IA, IANA at some point as well uh, when we're talking more about IP addresses and, and that kind of scheme and that kind of stuff. So thanks for listening to Hacker Public Radio. Feel free to submit either a networking basics episode if you're if you know more about this stuff than I do, or if you're um, if you're playing around on networks and, and have found some cool things to to try or cool things to do, or if you've recently broken your network and uh, want to share the ways that you've the wonderful ways that you've broken your network or maybe your neighbor's network. Um, whatever you've done, just you know, if it's if it's worthy of a Hacker Public Radio episode, I'm sure people are going to really be interested in uh, hearing it. So, you know, record it and send it in. I'm sure it'll be very fascinating. Hacker Public Radio is a community-based podcast, of course. So the more people we have contributing, the more variety we get to hear, the cooler stuff we all get to learn. So um, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.